Having a community you can be a part of and rely on is something that most people constantly seek out. We as humans don't like to be alone, and hell, even introverts need some human contact once in a while. But it's hard growing up trying to find the community that you belong to. Today's guest didn't know where he belonged in life and constantly was feeling pressure to conform to his surroundings. Luckily, the internet allowed him to find a community he wanted to be a part of, so he packed his bags and he left for a new city that he would soon call home. Welcome to the Myers Show Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Johnson, and this is Episode 5, Tyler. Uh, my name is Tyler Bingham. Uh, I am an artist. I live in Portland. I've been here for about nine years, just over nine years. Um, I'm originally from Utah. Um, I sign all my work awake, um, but I don't, I don't use that as like a name for myself, but what was it like, uh, growing up in Utah? Um, it's okay. It's definitely very conservative. I grew up in a pretty small town in Utah. Uh, there wasn't a ton going on there, so it was a good place to leave for me at least. And yeah, especially like I'm, I'm gay. So it was like, there's not a lot of gay community there. There wasn't then. I don't know if there is now necessarily. Even with all that struggle, do you think that you still had a good childhood? Yeah, I would say so. Like overall, yes. Um, I think like, I don't know, anybody who, who has to grow up in any sort of closet, I think there's a level of sadness and isolation there um, that I didn't fully understand because I was just in it. You know what I mean? So there, like that was something to grapple with. I grew up in a very religious, like Mormon household. So there just like wasn't really dialogue around what I was experiencing. And then once there was, it was like this is a bad thing. So I think that was definitely like pretty difficult to experience. And I'm glad I'm on the other side of that at this point in my life. But I think that my childhood was, I would say, good. You know. Were you always creative when you were growing up? Yeah, um, I was always very crafty. Um, my mom was always working with, she was always like crocheting and quilting and stuff, um, and would sew often. So she kind of taught me how to crochet, and I would do that a ton growing up and do various like needlepoint stuff because it was like the creative thing that was happening in my house that I was like, oh, that's something that I can do. Um, so I think I was always drawn to that part of things, but. I didn't really start like drawing, drawing until probably middle school. Tyler would also draw a lot. He was either drawing on himself or drawing on the arms of his friends with Sharpies and pens. And he would also get into drawing graffiti lettering for different kids who would pay him money for the drawings of their names. Art was always there for Tyler, uh, especially when he felt lost. So can you elaborate a little bit on how you were feeling growing up and how you felt different? Yeah, hard to describe like exactly what the feeling was, especially because it's like that's sinking back pretty far. Um, but I think that there was just like there was like a level of otherness. Um, but it was also just like it felt very like unspoken, like through middle school and high school, like I never came out to anybody and I like never had any sort of like sexual interaction with anybody either. Um, but I was still being called out for being gay you know and I think that I internalized that a lot because like I wasn't you know in my mind acting any any way that was different necessarily but it was like oh this kid's gay you know so it was like like I don't know what I'm doing that's like letting you know 
that I am something. Like, I'm trying not to be found out. I, it's not something that I want to be, you know what I mean? So, like, I think, it, especially at that point in time, like, at this, at this point, it's, like, something that I'm super thankful for. And I've just, like, had... The, it's completely flipped the way that my mind, you know, feels about me being gay. Growing up, I hated it, and I wish that I could not be that. And I did the best that I could do to conceal it and to, like, run away from it. And But as an adult, it is, like, such a gift, and I'm thankful for it. Growing up, did people, especially, like, in the church, in the Mormon church, tell you that feeling that way was wrong? I mean... It wasn't, it's not like I was told that it was wrong by my parents or by one person. It was like, I was told that it was wrong by society as a whole. And like, that's within the Mormon church, but also in all media at that time, like all of my peers, like saying, you're like, you're gay or like, that's so gay was such a curse word at that point in time. You know what I mean? And like, I was saying it. Like everybody was like, that was like something that was something to call somebody stupid, you know? So it was like, oh, fuck, I don't want to be that, you know? Like it wasn't just like there wasn't community. It was like so much not what I wanted to, you know, I just didn't want to be that. Tyler would graduate high school and stay in the closet for some time. At the time, he would still be part of the Mormon church and it was a big thing in his life. He even went on a mission trip right after high school to Florida, and then when he got back, he would attend a local college. Tyler started going to college for graphic design and then began to share his art online on Instagram, which had came out about a year before this. Like when I first got an Instagram account, I had like a personal account and then I like made another account just for art and was posting on both of them. Um, and then I realized that my art account was much more personal and much more like my actual self than the personal account was. So I just eventually deleted the personal account and only had this, the one art account in the beginning of having that account too. It was anonymous. It wasn't underneath my name. I mean, it still doesn't have my name attached to the art account. Um, but I was more like a faceless thing that was posting art at that point in time. He soon would start meeting other like-minded artists to Instagram, which would end up changing his life in a pretty big way. So how did you start to meet other artists exactly? How were you meeting them through Instagram? What was that process? It was very early on from having an, an art account, just like posting pages in a sketchbook. And then I think I followed like a notebook company called Denik, I think like D-E-N-I-K. I don't know if that's familiar. That might also be their own spelling, but they like uh, featured different artists on the covers of their books and stuff. And so, like, their art feed was interesting, and I liked the artists that they were reposting and sharing and their stuff. Um, but they reposted an artist's work whose name is Dead Cell. I think Dead Cell 84 is the name of his, is, like, his Instagram handle. Um, and I, like, automatically was like, that looks fucking cool. Um, and then I followed his page, and that was, like, he was connected to the Portland, like, sticker community people. Like, I would start of kind of buying his sticker packs and then was chatting with him and then got connected to more sticker type people and street artist folks. And a lot of them happened to be living in Portland at the time. And that is kind of where all that like kind of social interaction kind of stemmed from and developed um, at that point in time. After meeting these people online, Tyler wanted to meet them in person. So I took a huge leap of faith and dropped out of college to head to Portland. And in all honesty, he didn't have any idea how well this plan would go. 
but he just knew he had to get out of college in Utah and head on this adventure. So it was like, I don't know, I think it was just like, I want to have a cool experience. The first art professor that I had in college was just felt like a very cool person. Um, his name is Chuck Land Landvatter, or Landvatter, at least pronounce his last name incorrectly. He is an incredible artist, awesome person, and is still a friend and mentor of mine. But I remember still visiting him after I was not in his class anymore and kind of venting about the, the next art professor that I had that I didn't connect with and didn't like. And it kind of that experience kind of changed my the rest of my experience in college and was just like, I really just need to get out of here. Like I'm still in my hometown. I don't feel good about being here. You know, I don't like that I'm paying for this experience that I don't want. I think I'm going to drop out and move to Portland because I'm meeting these people online and, you know, like this feels exciting. And I was like going to, and I was talking to him about it. Um, and I was just like, had this idea of just like dropping everything and changing where I was living just to like see what there was, you know, see what there was artistically for me, see what there was community wise, just try something different. And he was like very supportive about it. He was just like, you know, like that's like that kind of an experience is going to bring more to your art than I think any other training would, you know, like that's an interesting story. You know, that's an interesting thing to do or to put yourself through, you know, you're going to learn a lot from it. And if it doesn't work out, then you can move somewhere else or move back home or go back to school eventually or whatever you want to do, you know? Like nothing has to be a permanent decision. So it was just like, okay, let's go. Tyler made this decision pretty quickly over the course of one summer, but he was 100% committed and ready to head on this journey. The journey, however, would have a few bumps along the way. While at this time, Tyler was still Mormon and even had a girlfriend. So they planned to ride together to Portland and take the scenic route. And then once they got to Portland, she was going to hop on a plane and head back to Utah. So you told me before that something happened to your car on the way to Portland uh, in California. What happened? Um, I was so I was driving to Portland with the girl that I was at the time dating. Um, we kind of just turned it into a road trip. Um, so I drove from uh, Logan, Utah um, to Southern California. And then we drove together. Um, basically up the coast. We were like on the way to the Redwood Forest. So we like took a little bit of like a scenic route to get there. Um, so we passed through Redding and then went to, we were like on the way from Redding to a small town called Weaverville. On the way to, like from Redding to Weaverville, my transmission, it was like had a leak in it. Um, but it went out basically. Um, and so like we were, <laughs> it was such a, I have, it was such a terrible moment in time. Um, I have, it's like a very visual memory of like, like I, my car not being able to, it like slowly was like losing gears as we were in this like windy, like mountain road. It like wouldn't let me go into fourth gear anymore. And then it wouldn't let me go into third gear anymore. And then it wouldn't let me go into second gear anymore. So it was like. If I would go over 10 miles an hour, then it would shut the car off. So we were like going super slow. <laughs> and there's like a big old line of cars that are like stacking up behind us. And we're just like trying to get to a place where we can pull over and like figure out some resources. And I'm like, 
I like pulled the um, hazard knob to make the hazards go on and the knob itself completely breaks off. <laughs> so I can't even turn the hazards on. So we're just like waving cars to go around us as we're like super slowly going. But roll into Weaverville, um, the car dies and then we just like park it and we like have to basically just go walk around and figure out what we're going to do in town. And then figure out like uh, we had to take a bus from Weaverville back to Reading, uh, rent a car in Reading, and then drive the rental car back up to my vehicle. That was dead. Um, move the stuff that we could fit from my car into the rental car. I think we were able to fit everything or maybe we threw stuff away there or left some things in the car. And then I sold that car for scrap there. And then we finished the drive. I think we like, I think we finished the drive to Portland, went to a dumpster. I threw away more things. And then like on the way to Portland from Weaverville, I reached out to a friend who told me that a couple other like friends from high school um, were living in Portland that I could be able to hit up them and see if I could crash with them for a little bit. And I, and so that's what I ended up doing um, initially. Um, but they were living in another person's studio apartment. So there was like three people in one teeny room. And they were like, you can stay here if you need to. And I was like, okay, cool. But it was like, this is way too much. I'm just going to figure it out. Okay. So after staying with them, where did you go? Uh, did you have an apartment lined up or what was up? So I stayed with them for like a night, uh, like a couple of times. I had slept on the waterfront a couple of times. Um, I traded our for couches to sleep on a couple of times and eventually was able to um, stay with a woman and then ended up renting her basement apartment um, and was there for roughly like six months, I think. But definitely like a rough landing. <laughs> you say you slept at the waterfront and you slept at parks. Uh, was that scary? Was it scary sleeping in parks and out in public? Yeah, it was scary. Um it certainly was not ideal. It also, I felt like it was maybe not as dangerous as it would be at this point in time here. I don't think that it was necessarily safe. I mean, I slept, I was fortunate that the people that, like the friends that I knew, that the dude let me move a bunch of stuff into one of his closets. Um, so it was just like me in a backpack. But like, I had a laptop in there. I had like my personal things. So I like slept on it, basically. I do remember that and waking up and being like, oh shit, where's my stuff? Cool, it's still here. Wow. <laughs> you know? Because I didn't... It's also like I was just trying to stay awake through the night. I wasn't necessarily trying to sleep in the actual nighttime. Um, but ended up falling asleep on a bench. Or like on like a planter, like a garden planter box. Because I found like an outlet that I could stick my phone in to charge it on a lamppost. And then I ended up falling asleep over there. Um, one night and then I think the other night I didn't end up needing to sleep outside. Um, but I stayed up through the entire night, like sketching in like a, like a subway sandwich shop. After a couple nights in the park, Tyler was able to find places to stay either with friends from high school that had moved to Portland or the people he had met online. And even a lot of times he would end up trading works of art for a couch to sleep on. As he started to meet all these online friends, he started to feel more connected to Portland but more importantly, he had a lot more free time to breathe and focus on himself and explore his inner thoughts. Bringing it back to the conversation that we've had 
like I think that's so much about being a person is your it's just like your need for community you know so like me moving to Portland seeking out community finding it online wanting it in person you know me being a gay person wanting community not having any gay community in like a rural Utah I you feel good in community you know what I mean growing up very religious in this very like one way of thought community like there's safety in that you know people you feel like you have people that have your back I feel like I stayed in that community because it's the only thing that I knew and I felt safe in that community because that's the only reality that I had ever allowed myself to really feel or like be connected to but the older that I got the less that I felt like I was being helped by it. You know, I felt like more and more was it like, okay, I think that maybe this thing that I'm using as a crutch is also the thing that's like causing the injury. They're giving me like the band-aid, but they're also cutting me. You know, I was just like, this is this is this this can't be correct for me. Tyler knew he had to come out if he wanted to truly be happy. But that meant killing this version of himself that everyone around him and his family had known. Of course, he had to start with the most important, which was probably his girlfriend. So first you came out to your girlfriend, right? How did that go? How did that go over? Yeah, it didn't go over so well. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And yeah, so I also journal often. So I've reread like journal entries from that point in time. It's like my sketchbooks are also journals. And just my thought process was so wacky too. It was just like... I came out, well, first I came out as queer. I didn't come out as gay, especially like initially. I just like had no sexual experience with anybody. Like even with her, we didn't really go beyond like kissing and cuddling. So like I had nothing to base anything off of. So like in my mind and the way that I was processing that information was just like, this person is throwing me out, you know, like she won't stay with me anymore. And I was heartbroken and so afraid of like needing to face myself and just like didn't understand why she was not okay with that. And like now it's just like, of course she wasn't okay with that. That's like so crazy to to think that somebody is like going to give up their life just for you kind of thing. She did not take it well, which is totally fine. <laughs> um, we didn't communicate for years, but have since like reconnected and there's a friendship there. Like, more than anything, I was just really afraid to have to, like, step into the dark, you know? Because I was, like, losing a whole, like, conscious level that I was on, you know? Like, having to confront my sexuality required me to... Not didn't require me to leave the Mormon church, but I totally did. (laughs) And, like, I'm very thankful for that, especially at this point in time. But it was very frightening. So did you come out to your parents right after that? My girlfriend at the time first, and then the next day called my parents and told them. And then I think almost like maybe even the next day, I just like made a post on Facebook and told everybody that I could in my life. So I could like, I was basically just like trying to make it so I could never go back in a closet again. The hardest part of the whole thing was like having to become honest, which is like a big like lesson that I still have very much tied into like my art stuff and me as a person is just like, like there was so much pain in having to come out and become honest to people. Like that's the part that sucked. Like 
coming out sucked. Like being gay doesn't suck. Like having to like let an illusion of yourself die to like everybody that you've ever known is so fucking hard. But once you're on the other side of that, you just get to feel like yourself, you know? And I, yeah, I don't know. I've tried to parallel that lesson throughout everything. I mean, it just feels good to be honest to people as, as honest as possible. Or like if, I don't know, it's like if times that I have fucked up, it's like being able to right the wrong as fast as possible and communicate to somebody how I'm feeling or something that I did that was wrong. Like the next day or that night or whatever, then it's like the pain is a lot less. So could you elaborate a little more about how you felt after you came out? I mean, it felt very good. It's such a relief. You know, that was like super necessary for me to continue surviving. Um, but it was also like probably the darkest, most lonely like point in my existence. Just like really having to confront myself and reality. And like there was also this like big existential crisis going on because of like not like this whole Mormonism thing that I was like raised to believe and like was on board with for a long time, like really crumbled very quickly, which like required me to like have to think about death and what that's like. And, you know, like not existing forever and all like the Santa Claus fairy tale, like really just shattering on top of figuring out like, how do I, I got to come out to my parents and I got to, you know, I always have to like, be okay with being a disappointment to them, you know, which is like, at this point, like, I'm so down to be a disappointment to people. If that's what it, if that's what it means, you know, like, I am so, I am so thankful that I get to be a gay person in this experience as like a human, because it's so fun. And once, I, I mean, then it just goes back into the community piece. It's just like, when you find your community, you can, you can just like really have such good experiences and you know i've had i have so many fun friends and a happy life full of laughter and yeah it's like i wouldn't trade it for anything at this point was art a way for you to navigate through this tough time in your life totally yeah i keep a sketchbook um that's always been helpful i keep a journal i mean the journal sketchbook is like the same book for me um super helpful to navigate um, experiences and, you know, really pull apart things that I've experienced or I'm feeling, um, definitely has always been a tool. How long have you been journaling? That's been a, like a really consistent practice for the, I mean, the whole time that I've been in Portland. So, and a little bit before that. So it's been about a decade. While in Portland, Tyler's art career began to flourish. He worked odd jobs over the years, but was constantly painting and sketching daily while selling his works through Instagram until he was able to transition to being a full-time artist. While he never went back to college, he always tried to push himself to try new things with his art. One practice he does is try to identify what techniques he's relying on the most and look for new ways to solve the same problems. One series that was particularly helpful for him and his growth as an artist was a portrait series he did in coffee shops with different strangers he had met off of Reddit. And I was meeting up with people that I had met on Reddit and I would paint them while we had coffee together. Um, that was super beneficial. And I learned so much doing that, that project. I painted like 153 people in a year and a half. They could either buy the piece if they wanted or not or whatever. 
Um, but I just like learned so much about color choice and composition. And was the uh, portrait project something that you did with other artists, or did you start it? No, I started it on my own, um, and it started very organically too. It was like me and my roommate were hung over at a cafe, and I was like, he was reading a book in front of me, and I asked if I could paint his portrait, um, and he said sure. And then it, we, I did it, and it turned out pretty cool. And we were stoked. And then we went to like the bar next door, sat next to a couple people. And one of the, those people was a watercolor painter. I was, it was like a watercolor portrait that I had done. And she was a watercolor artist. So she was like, oh, can I see it? That's so exciting. Cause we were like kind of stoked and like chatting about what we had just done. And then um, we showed her the painting and she was like, wow, that's really good. Cool. And then we like shared art and stuff. But I eventually painted her portrait too. But I just like started posting about that on Instagram. I'm just like, if you want to sit for me, you know, I'm happy to paint you. I'm just looking for people that are down, like to sit as like a, a model for me to paint. And there was a little bit of interest on Instagram. And then I made a post on the Portland subreddit and there was tons of interest. And like, I was able to fill a calendar for like, I would make a post on Reddit and fill a calendar worth of appointments um, for like, uh, like four months at a time. You know, just like people that were down to sit for me. And that was super helpful. Um, it felt like it felt like a level of schooling that I was putting myself through. So your name on Instagram is Awake. And you've told me you don't like going by that name for your art, but you do sign all your artworks Awake. So what's the meaning behind uh, the word Awake for you? Um, so I was I started using the name Awake when I was living in Utah still. And I, I really do, I connect the name awake to just like me having my own personal awakening and like realizing that I have the capacity to do whatever I want in my life. You know, I can make any decision that I want to, there'll be consequences attached to that, but overall, like it's my choice to choose what I want. And that was a huge epiphany for me. I think that it, I mean, I connect with it also just, um, because I tend to be a night owl type person. So like being awake at night was a big part of it too. More than anything, it was just like tied to my own personal, like just realizing that life is very different and can be very different. And, and just like, and things are constantly changing, you know, and that's okay. That's, I don't know, that's all kind of tied into awake and what it means to me. I want to thank Tyler for coming onto the podcast and sharing this deeply personal story. I hope that his story can help others in their search for a community that they can call home. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If so, please share it with someone you think would also enjoy it. With your help, we can continue to share the stories of individuals in the art world. This episode was recorded and edited by me, Jacob Johnson, and you can find all the information about this episode in the description. This is the Meyer Show podcast, and I'll see you in the next episode.